What's it like to quote, shack up with bipolar disorder? Rachel Callum Whitman wants you to know. Rachel's new memoir is Instability in Six Colors. She joins us today on A Valid Podcast. This is her second visit. Please note that today's episode does contain references to self-harm and some profanity that some people may find disturbing. Welcome back, Rachel. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Thanks for having me again. I thought after I talked about corn so much on the last show that I would be uh, not invited back. So I yeah, no, no references to throwing corn at your husband. It's not nice. It's not nice. We're going so, to therapy. Good. Virtually. We're yeah, of course. Out. <laughs> um, oh, I should say I'm Jennifer Shveta Jordan. And also with us are the steadfast activists and our program analysts. Josie Badger and Elisa Grishman. Hey, ladies. Hey. Hey. Instability in Six Colors is published by One Idea Press here in Pittsburgh. And we don't normally want to judge books by their covers, but this is just really beautiful. Yeah. Not to take away from your writing, but tell us about that cover and then some of the art inside. Yeah. So I am very fortunate. I have wonderful people in my life. You, you know, I have people who are, you know, sources of support in kind of every shape, way, and form. Um, and one of my dear friends who's always supported me and believed in me is the artist behind the cover and the images inside. And we, when we met, we just kind of like empathically connected with each other And when it came to doing the art for this book, I was like, you know what, this project has been such a beautiful and brutal experience that the people who I want to come on this journey with me are people who I really need um, and people who that love goes back and forth with the same frequency. And so when I brought it to her, she said she would love to do it. And she honestly came up with most of it on, on her own, I would say. I live in Pittsburgh, throw a bridge in there. Um, And so she kind of met me with that stuff, but took it to a place that I would have never envisioned it. So I'm, the book is something I'm very proud of, but I'm also just really proud of her for just kind of putting her heart and soul into this stuff too. That's kind of how our friendship is. So Jess Earhart, can I get a, what, what? um... (laughs) So we have, we have hot air balloons and a Pittsburgh bridge. Rachel Carson. Yeah. Okay. And then the butterflies are picking up some uh, capsules of Mm -hmm. medication. It looks like. Um, So wow, that's that's really something. What is this on the bottom? Is that a hippo? The bottom is a black mass, which is representative of depression. All right. And would you mind reading a piece from it? I yes, I would. Can I um, provide a little bit of context regarding the the colors? I used them to delineate the different mood states that I was experiencing at the time. And so as you move through the book, they're all kind of interchanged throughout. Um, But hypomania is, is the color pink. Mania is gold. Psychosis is red. Um, Depression is black. I don't consider depression to be a color in my life. It's, it's the lack of color. It's the absence. And so that's the part of my illness that I actually would love to uh, ditch the most. Wow. So that's, that's where that came from. Yeah. Rachel, are these um, representations of colors something that 
you came up with or is that wider known? I came up with that. Um, that was something that w I was motivated to do it actually after um, I, I was having a manic episode and it actually is the first piece that I'm gonna read. Instability in six colors. It feels like a hypnotic ultraviolet jellyfish has curled inside me. I'm warmed and distracted with its beautiful electricity as she wraps her stinging fingers around my soft lungs and a heart that is eager to feel a jolt that brings me back to life. I can smell the singed skin. On nights like these, I turn off the lights and watch two videos from my childhood. The Snowman is a short video based off a book written by a man whose wife had schizophrenia, a crazy girl just like me. But the video has no words, just pencil-drawn landscape skies and the rolling ocean. It stars a little boy who builds a snowman, loves him into life, and then loses him to the sun. There is one song sung by a choir boy who, growing up, I thought was a girl like me, and the lyrics that are seared forever in my mind cry to me. We're walking in the air. We're floating in the moonlit sky. The people far below are sleeping as we fly. I'm holding very tight. I'm riding in the midnight blue. I'm finding I can fly so high above with you. And I can't stop watching this video and I can't stop crying over the sheer splendor of this story, loving and losing and escaping into the sky as people rest peacefully beneath you. And I cry so hard with such indulgence that my chest aches. This is my story too. Little me learned that sometimes sadness can bring immeasurable beauty with its sorrow. I watch a scene from Dumbo again and again and again because I cry so hard, I think I feel God. His mother is locked up, shackles on her feet, but she weaves her trunk through prison bars and cradles her son. The bittersweet lullaby plays as she rocks Dumbo. Baby mine, don't you cry. Baby mine, dry your eyes. Rest your head close to my heart, never to part, baby of mine. And I cry with my entire body, and it feels so sumptuously beautiful that I start to die. I stare at the screen and wipe the tears from my neck and I clasp my hands as my head pounds with violent angel wings. May God break my heart so completely that the whole world falls in from the lips of Mother Teresa's passed on to mine to echo in God's ear. All this rapture rips me right open. I just can't keep the kaleidoscope in and I find markers and pens and I decorate my pale arms and soft stomach, my freckled face and long legs, and my pink chest is absolutely pleading. I'm covered in colors. I turn into canvas. I listen to sad lullabies and I think of this rickety world and I'm honored to hold such euphoria since I am simply a crazy girl lost in divine light, even though this splendor makes me suffer. I cry until the markers run, leaving diluted tentacles etched across my skin, and I sit on my kitchen floor feeling blessed with my burden. This grief makes me whole. It feels familiar in a way I deserve. I sit and the tears pour out and I pull my knees to my chest because I'm exquisitely spl splintered and responsible for the entire world's torment. 
and I would sit and cry and make my collars run forever. But my husband says, it's time to see the doctor. Oh, should we clap? Yeah. I want to clap. Yeah. This is Josie. Rachel, that is honestly brilliant. Oh, thank you. And I've known Josie for a long time, so she's not, like, shitting me. No, I'm not. Like, Josie's very honest with me, so. It's true, and, like, for me to say that, like, you are brilliant. Um, And when you're writing these pieces, I know, like, are you writing them after the fact, like, after that feeling has passed, or are you still in that feeling of euphoria? That is an excellent question, and I would say both. Some of the some of the writing is done when I'm in the 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 cycling. So in bipolar, you have um, different mood states. So for me, the the names of the um, uh, table of contents in my book: hypomania is a mood state, um, depression, psychosis. For some people with bipolar, it depends. You know, there's not um, one size fits all mental illness really. Um, and so, yeah, and, but a lot of them were, I left like little pieces around things that I said or things that I told my husband, and then I can put them back together when I'm in a better spot. Yes, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. just the language has so much emotion. Now, I could imagine that your mm-hmm. feelings kind of match that descriptive language, that power mm-hmm. in the words. Yeah, that's, that is the idea. So you guys can judge if I, uh, did a good job. I, Josie's on board, but oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Alisa here, I am absolutely on board. And I know I said this to you at your book launch, and I, I, I'm reiterating this now. I would love it if you did the audiobook version of it, because I could listen yeah. to you reading your words. And, you know, I don't have bipolar, but, you know, like any, anyone else you know I do have moments of joy and moments of sad Mm -hmm. and in moments of joy I feel myself using those big spectacular words too and you know not it it just I I can almost I can almost feel your feeling just from your words and it's just so powerful thank you yeah I mean I think the things that, that drive me are the share factor and the relate factor. So people read it and are like, you know what, maybe this didn't touch me personally because I don't live with this mental illness, but I could relate. Like you can see yourself in some of these feelings. They're not unfamiliar, you know? Um, I was and then, gonna, yeah, yeah. Well, this is Jennifer. I was going to say, like when I was working on the introduction to this, I was thinking, you know, should I say, we're all feeling a little unstable, unstable right now, aren't we? Yeah. But, and then I was like, is that insulting to, you know, this, this period of COVID and pandemic uh, to relate in that way? I don't, I personally don't think so. I mean, I think we're all in this state of no one expected this to happen. We're, we're in an environment that is completely new. We're rewriting what normal quote unquote looks like in terms of everyday life. So I think we're all in steady, which does give people a chance to connect over some of this mental health stuff because Mm. you can kind of see um, a little bit. So for example, being depressed and living with depression, there are differences there. But again, it's this idea of like being able to relate and that's community. I mean, once you have a community and shared language and feelings, you can, that's where hope comes from. 
So you can really kindle hope from that type of connection with people. So that's that's kind of one of my main my main goals to make people feel safe and hopeful. Let me jump in for a moment because I did want to show I I love this other piece of um, art and it really shows a different side of um... yeah. So that's hypomania. Okay, and what we're seeing here is a very um, sexy dressed figure with the the faux. Uh, leopard purple fur and wings in a mirror frame with a razor in one hand and I'm I'm not sure what's in the other that is a shard of glass or oh, mirror okay yeah. and I know um you've talked about self-harm and, and cutting mm -hmm. publicly yeah. and so is that what you're saying that it's connected with the hypomania that yeah, so my relationship to cutting, which a lot of people who have, whether it's body dysmorphia or, or, you know, bipolar disorder or depression, I think a lot of people, we have weird relationships with our bodies and with pain. Um, and so sometimes it is pain that we curate and pain that we drool over because it can be erotic really? And so I have that experience. And so for me, when I'm hypomanic, and, and this is very weird, and, and you know, this might be one of the places I can lose people, but again, maybe educate is when I'm hypomanic, sometimes in order to come down from my high, I have to cut myself because it will bring me back into my body. Um, and so you know, but the relationship with cutting and really self-injury extends beyond my mood disorders per se, but also um, trauma history and, uh, you know, otherwise looking at, like I mentioned, disordered eating, which played a significant role in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and that's something that there's so much stigma around that it can be really hard asking for help when you say you've been cutting because it's often a kind of a victim blamey thing, like just stop doing it, which, whoa, if it was that easy, I would just stop doing it. Um, and so again, bringing it back to the book, the self-harm and the psychosis um, and the trauma, I guess, were the three things that were the hardest to, to not write about, but to share. So that, that's been kind of a journey for me too, because I've, I've hidden some of that stuff um, before, and now it's just like, this book's in the universe. It's happening. Uh, this is Josie. So, I mean, you are such, for most individuals who know you, such a positive person and bubbly, as you said. Um, how has writing this and putting this pain out there helped you heal or has it brought it more to a surface? Yeah. So it was very therapeutic um, writing it. And I would say very, it, it healed my heart um, in a lot of ways, but it was very scary to kind of push it into the universe. And I, at my book readings, I know Lisa was there, I was like, I was just like, I can do anything and I feel talented and there are all these people who are here to support me. I'm going to be brave and I'm over all of this. Yay, I've conquered everything. And then it's like two days later, I'm like, oh, no, I am still a, a scared person. I'm brave, but I'm also still scared about things. And so that's just, again, the humanity there. That's, 
how we kind of all all exist. So it's again, grief isn't linear, recovery isn't linear, but being able to connect with people over this has been just in, so meaningful, so incredible to hear people say that I impacted them in any way. I mean, what more could you ask for? It makes me want to work on book two. So please. Yeah. Yeah. How did you decide to, I don't know, like write it now? Um, so how I decided that I was ready, it was at, to be honest, it was a plan of survival. Um, and so the, so the book, I read the piece instability in six colors, which was basically the piece that said I could write a book if I wanted. That was really where that started. But the piece um, that... That's like a magazine article or something or uh -huh. before the, a magazine article or something that preceded it? Is that what you're saying or no? Um, oh, no. So the thing that preceded it was a piece that I wrote in response to a suicide attempt. So we should put trigger warnings on this. And so I attempted suicide and after that, in order to process it, because I've been a writer my whole life, just didn't touch on this stuff, um, or didn't touch on it safely, because you have to be ready for this, this kind of, you know, your heart pouring out, things like that. And so I wrote this piece, and it's called um, The Night My Cat Told Me to Kill Myself. And that one was so hard to write, but I had to do it. I had to do it for myself, for my family, for my husband who saved me. Mm. Um, and then at that, after that, in the kind of recovery process, I was like, yeah, I need to process this with him, with my people. And then that again opened up this, huh, writing has saved me so many times now that I think I'm going to see if I can help someone save themselves, mm. empower them, give them language to talk about some of this shit really hard you know so that's kind of where you know that energy came from so i i have a question for you and i'm going to talk about myself for a second first you know you and i are both heavily tattooed people right yes so my right arm is entirely dedicated to depression and suicidality mm. for those who are unfamiliar with my right arm it's covered in beautiful, colorful flowers that as they get to my underarm fade away into gray. Mm. Uh, and there's a song lyric and it, it's from a song where the gist of it is that, you know, there's someone standing outside saying, you know, all you have to do is take what you can from your dreams and make it real. And, you know, it'll take the strength out of courage. And mm. you hear that a lot when you're, you know, depressed, you know, just do something that'll mm -hmm. make you happy and it'll in response the the character in the song is saying you know there's a crazy man speaking outside my door and you know all the colors mixed together with gr to gray you know mm -hmm. she could do anything about her problems using colors bold and bright but the colors mixed together for gray and that mm -hmm. for me has been such an important way for me to talk about my depression and you mm -hmm. know some of the lows of my life i know that you talk about all the colors in this book and what they mean to you and it's a, a you know disability not just sorry um instability in six colors 
your your tattoos are all monochromatic. They're just mm-hmm. using black ink. Um, can you talk about like is there any correlation with that or is it just kind of incidental? So some of it is incidental is incidental. Some of it is um I find it kind of anchoring sometimes um having my tattoos and some of them represent some things like um I have um a scissor with which is kind of representative self-harm and then kind of around intertwined with the scissors is a moonflower which is my husband's favorite flower um I also have on my wrist stay is on one wrist and with me is on the other in his handwriting um and so but some of them you know are are to kind of empower me to look at that strength um some it's because I just think sloths are fun so I just was like I need that on my body forever definitely fun twice um, I love them at the zoo I love me a sloth uh a pangolin um and so some of them have meaning but I'm gonna I'm gonna level with you like my tattoo artist was like I've never done an umbrella before and I was like count me in so some of them it's like I have a spoon on my leg like I could lie and be like oh it's because I like ice cream which I do but that was not the motivating factor for getting a spoon. It was my tattoo guy. I was like, you want to do a spoon? I was like, uh, yeah, I do. So that's where a lot of them come from. Did you guys want me to read the last or the piece that I picked last? It's called oh. Answers. Before we do that, Elisa, Josie, are you going to have another question? I can have all the questions, Rachel. All of them. <laughs> okay. So this piece is called Answers. And it is written in red because this is a piece that um, a lot of the feelings are translated when I have like a psychotic episode. So this is where that comes from. And I can I just say real quick, psychosis is not synonymous with violence. So people hear psychosis and I think the initially are frightened or repulsed. I'm not sure, but psychosis is just you lose touch with reality that's what it is and you need help come bring it back uh to the world so all right so this piece is called answers why am i so crazy i ask everyone and no one knows or maybe they just don't want to tell me i can take it i yell from the ceiling why am i so crazy my psychiatrist clicks out a prescription for some kind of med to be sent to the pharmacy at the end of the street where the pharmacist knows me by name, and exactly where the plastic bag with my new bottle swings from the rack, like a translucent bat that swallowed my self-care and doesn't mind the fluorescent lights. What is wrong with me? I cry and coo and try to explain without sounding so crazy that the prescription becomes a trip to the hospital. My psychiatrist blinks and my pharmacist clinks pills into a plastic cylinder. They say to me, have a nice day. Why am I so crazy? I ask my mom and my dad, and we look at our gnarled family tree where the roots are solid, but the branches are thin. Mental illness is our pollen, sampled from ancestors across the canopy, then sprinkled generously on flower after flower of fucking crazy. Callums and Shelmandines and Oppenheims and Kurs and all those other decaying names that I can't recall or maybe I never knew. 
I wish I could conjure up my dead grandparents to ask them why they were crazy and why they slipped pollinated poison into my skull where it blooms in my brain and itches my eyeballs, an allergy to my family. Why am I so crazy? One sister texts me back with emojis and empathy and concern and the distance from Arlington to Pittsburgh. One sister doesn't answer my calls, but she tries so hard to treat me kindly, even though I make her crazy. But she doesn't know why I'm a lunatic. She just knows that I take up a lot of time. They both do. Beautiful. Yeah. And challenging. Gorgeous. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt when I wrote it too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rachel Callum yes, Whitman, for taking this time on a valid podcast again. Your publisher it. was uh, offered a code for mm -hmm. our, our valid podcast listeners, which is mm -hmm. really cool. Our first discount code. So what's that code, Rachel? A valid 20 and the A and the V are capital. And it's one okay. word. Perfect. Sorry, and that's sorry a 20% that. discount. Is that mm -hmm. what that is? Mm -hmm. And the ebook is 10 bucks, I think. So now I couldn't find the ebook easily. So where's that? So you have to access it through my publisher directly. Okay. And because we, I, I just want to check that we, since we have listeners, since we have an audience, which is awesome. Oh, it sounds like we have a familiar name here, uh, Joan Badger. Somehow I think you might yes. be related to Josie. Mama! Perhaps? Mama Joan! <laughs> hey there. Uh, I do have a question. If if your husband isn't there saying time um, to go to the doctor, how does that progress for you? Badly, uh, to sum it up in, in one word. At this point, I, especially in this situation, this is a great indicator of me kind of losing the thread of reality. Um, and the fact that support systems are so necessary because when I am in that space, I have no objectivity. So everything that I am kind of the, the cognitive glitches just seems my reality. So without having a partner and family and friends, that would be, I think, honestly, that would be my biggest um, downfall, really, not being able to ask for help, which is hard to do, but very important. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, Libby, we have a new person to the uh, show. Do you have any questions or comments for uh, Rachel about her book and her work? Hi, RK Dubs. Hey, lady. I actually was there for the book opening, so I've heard excerpts from the book, which I mm. think is fantastic. Libby, was, did you have a favorite part? I just liked, I think the creativity and the expression and the um, vibrant language was... Do you mean the swearing? No. Well, no. The vibrancy <laughs> of the large vocabulary and oh. just really I mean, is totally Rachel. <laughs> you know me. I'm all about the swearing for, for enjoying that part. Well, thank you so much for being on our program today, Rachel Callum Whitman, speaking about Instability in Six Colors, her memoir about shacking up with bipolar disorder, as, as she says. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to claim responsibility for that excellent line. <laughs> I don't want to take it from you. As usual, we have 
the lovely Elisa Grishman as the analyst and advocate and tattooed butterfly. <laughs> and Josie Badger is with us as well. Um, and thanks to um, our audience this evening. This was a, a nice crowd and a nice uh, conversation. We really appreciate it uh, for a valid podcast. I'm Jennifer Shveta Jordan. Our engineer this evening has been Nick Tomarello. And we hope to see you here Tuesdays and Thursdays again at 7. All our show's information can be found on unabridgedpress.com. We thank the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University for their partnership, as well as the FISA Foundation for its support. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, thanks everybody. Thank Check out the book. Check out the book, discount code for the ebook. So, and we have some applause from, from Rue Robertson over there. We, we appreciate that. <laughs> the, the emoji applause. Yes. Yeah, and then again, the. The discount code is a valid 20 with a capital A and a capital V and 20 with the numerals to zero. At the publisher, which is One Idea Press. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, all. Thanks, everybody. Good night.